everybody, and welcome to Rollin, a movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ty Lore. How you doing, Ty? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, we're recording, recording in the morning. We were just talking about maybe maybe we do better in the morning. Maybe we're more more with it. But hey, I'm feeling fresh. Watched, watched the Blues Brothers last night, so I'm in a good mood. Oh, nice. I still haven't yeah. seen that movie. Oh, man. It's one of my favorites. That falls... I've seen it. <laughs> That falls into, uh, oh my gosh, you, you have a movie podcast and you haven't seen the movie? <laughs> I love when I like I love when I love don't know the name of like an actor and one of my <laughs> friends or somebody's like, don't you have a movie podcast? And I'm like, shut up. Come on now. <laughs> I'm bad with names, all right? I'm not, I'm not an encyclopedia, guys. All right, so this week we are doing the 2012 film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson starring Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Amy Adams the master so let's just jump right into what do you think about this movie ty yeah i like this movie you know we talked about it a little bit last week um i'm a big pta fan uh my favorite movie obviously is there will be blood but um you know i think you had said you didn't think it was like one of his top tier movies and i agree uh philip seymour hoffman as always is amazing um Joaquin Phoenix is really good. I just think it didn't wrap me into the story as much as like there will be blood did, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's still a good movie, man. And, and Paul Thomas Anderson's such a master of storytelling and just letting like different elements of the movie tell the story um, from sound to silence to like just the cinematography in general. Um, so I thought I, I liked it. It was a little, the story in general was a little bit, hard to keep up with it was like there was a lot of the time when i was like wait what's going on or like what you know but um for the most part i mean as a whole i I enjoyed the movie it was a little bit of like uh had me thinking a lot the entire time because i was just like what is happening right now (laughs) Uh, but all in all i thought it was a good movie i don't really have anything too bad to say about it you know um like philip seymour hoffman was amazing i think in it i just i love when he like plays those kind of characters you know i like when he plays those kind of like uh how do you describe those kind of characters i guess like compared to like synecdoche where he was where he was like uh still like a leader but like more of a depressed leader you know this is like i don't know i just charismatic yeah like a charismatic like just confident leader i think philip seymour hoffman plays so well you know like i it it was hard to you know, think that that wasn't a real person or anything like the way he acts and everything. I just, I don't know. I really love that character, but, um, yeah, all in all solid movie, uh, storytelling in it was phenomenal, but the story in general just kind of had me like, what? Um, but no, I liked it. Where, where'd you fall on it? Yeah. So yeah, when I said last week, I didn't think this was his best movie. Um, that's not to say that it's not really good, because I like this movie a lot. I still think, you know, I'm, I'd give it probably 9 out of 10. Um, I'm still up there with it. But, I, you know, it doesn't, it's not as good as some of his other stuff, which just shows how good he is, Paul Thomas Anderson is, uh, as a filmmaker. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's really good. A lot of aspects that I... I, I there are a lot of aspects of it that I just love. The cinematography, like you said, is fantastic. Just all those shots where, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman centered in the frame. Just gorgeous. Um, Dude, my favorite my favorite shot of the movie. Sorry to cut you off. My favorite shot in the movie is when they're smoking uh, the cool cigarettes after the first series of, uh, like, questions or whatever. And maybe we can throw that up on the, on the Instagram um, later, but like I, I took a screenshot of that scene and just like the framing, I just, I, I rewatched that scene like three times, just like the framing of it was so perfect. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, but yeah, no, I, I love all this. This is gorgeous from beginning to end. Um, and yeah, like you said, the way that his storytelling is just masterful, but yeah, it's one of his more interesting movies and in that I think this is one of his more, uh, What's the, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's one of those more contemplative movies, but it also doesn't feel like it's easy to pin anything down. Like 
feel like it's one of the ones exploring the most uh, unique and wide array and vast like themes of you know life of life search for meaning uh religion all this stuff but it, it but it doesn't really seem to come down anywhere you you know you finish and you're like well like you said what what you know what what's the point of that what why why did that happen the way it happened um so and it's think, one of his you know, more oh go ahead i i think it's just kind of like because it's so because the answers are so open-ended right like it kind of had to be finished like that like the ending kind of had to be like that um because yeah it it touches on a bunch of different topics which i'm sure we're going to get into but uh i think you know it wasn't like it it wasn't like it definitively like really narrowed in on one particular life lesson or life you know overarching uh question you know and tried to answer it it was kind of like it really took us into the mind of you know freddie who's kind of unstable to begin with and bouncing around and has just a lot going on and so there were times when i was like oh this is where we're going or oh this is where it's going to end at you know and i was totally wrong with that but i mean that's true and i I agree with that but at the same time like like movies like uh boogie nights or magnolia or even there will be blood. They encompass a lot of different themes. They're not. I wouldn't call them like narrow in scope either. They're very right. Uh, they're very vast and these huge plot lines and interweaving stories and stuff like that. But they feel like they're more. It feels like there's more there to easily, you know, pull from it. There's stuff that you can watch and you'd be like, oh, I see, I get it. But you watch this and you're like, I feel like there's a lot here. I know there's a lot here that I can pull from this, but what is it? You know what I mean? It's more of a, yeah. uh, it doesn't really give you any any answers at all. Whereas some of his other movies, they give you questions, but they also kind of uh, give you themes and stuff that you can point to. But this, it's kind of like, it's very, con- I, I, what, I, I know what you mean. I was and- thinking of. right before we recorded and i now i cannot remember it but i'll think of it at some point i i do know what you're saying though like just thinking i mean let's just compare the ruby blood and and this like they both touch on a bunch of different topics but yeah it is more easily to like you could you can easily consume you know portions from there will be blood where here it's just like it's almost like did we get enough of that like i almost feel like we where we kind of wanted a little bit more in the master, we didn't necessarily get it. You know what I mean? And I think if we did on some instances, it would be easier to connect the circle, you know? Yeah, I, I agree and probably disagree a little on that. Cause and I if think that ain't the tag, if that ain't the tagline of this <laughs> podcast, I agree <laughs> and also disagree. Cause I think, I mean, it'd be nice to have, to understand it clear, but at the same time, I think that's why this movie is unique and it's, it's probably its biggest success. And one of the things that makes it harder to uh, consume than some of the other stuff is that kind of like mysteriousness and uh, uh, shoot. What is the word I'm trying to think of this inability to uh, kind of dissect it? as some of his other stuff. You know what I mean? So I think that's a positive and maybe a negative in compa- in terms of uh in ter- like comparing it to his other works. Um yeah, it's... and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I'm like with you. I give this movie like an 8 out of 10 for sure. It's still it's still a great movie. It's still like on that PTA level, you know. But No, yeah, it's I mean, it's really good and uh yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, let's leave it there. Let me do the summary, and then we'll we'll come back to this. Sounds good, man. After fighting in World War II, Freddie Quill returns to America as an alcoholic with PTSD that's prone to fits of rage. He leaves job after job, never fitting in, until he sneaks aboard a boat one night, eventually meeting the owner, Lancaster Dodd. He takes... Dodd takes Quill into his family that's formed under his teaching and philosophy, known as The Cause. Quill undergoes sessions of questioning with Dodd to dig into Quill's nature, and the two soon become very close. Quill is wilder, and Dodd is more reserved and calm, 
But this is not always true as we see Dodd lash out when his ideas and philosophy of recalling and seeing past lives is questioned. At one point, both Dodd and Quill are arrested as Dodd is wanted for running a medical school without a license and Quill for fighting the cops that come for Dodd. The two fight after this, but Freddy soon comes back and goes through more sessions with Dodd than ever. Dodd releases his second book and, even to some of his supporters, is met, it's met with questions and mixed reviewed, which he... It's met with questions and mixed reviews, which he once again lashes out at. Quill leaves one day and searches for his old girlfriend that he said he'd come back for but never did. And finds she's moved and been married with kids for three years. Dodd tracks Freddy down and tells him to come to England, which is where Dodd's fled to, to create a school. Quill goes and Dodd tells him he must either stay and commit to the cause or leave and never see Dodd again. Quill leaves and returns to a life of drinking and hooking up, but still seems interested in the nature of the cause, questioning a woman during sex the way Dodd questioned him during their sessions. End of movie. So also, I mean, like when I was writing the summary, I mean, it's it's a little long, but not really. There's not, for a two and a, two, what is this, 220, something like that. Yeah, uh, just, just two hour and 20 minute I think it's movie. like 220, yeah, 217. In terms of plot, not a lot happens. It's a, lo- yeah, it's a very uh, loose plot. Yeah, there's not that many unique events that happen in in terms of the plot. It's just this kind of you just you know following this family, doing what they do. There's not much. There's not much that changes, you know, from right. scene to scene. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I always think it's interesting writing these summaries, like what I what I think about of the plot and the the movie itself when I'm writing them. Kind of shows a little something. Yeah, and and that's one I I kind of think that because of how loose and open the plot was, um, it's more of like a look into how Freddy is out looking out on the world. You know what I mean? Like, there's not all these preconceived like connections that we have. Um, you know, we don't even understand Lancaster Dodds. Like first, like we have to do a lot of the connecting the dots, just as Freddy is too. And I think that's like I think that's like a positive to the storytelling of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I yeah I agree with that. <sighs> yeah, so I guess we've kind of talked about it, but let's just start out super broad and say, ask what uh, what's this movie about? What's it? What's it? Uh, what's the main thing it's dealing with? Um, whenever I started typing up my notes for the the movie, I I was like, man. You know, I did. I did like my normal like typed out the movie, the year, you know, directing, uh, DOP, all that stuff. And then I was just like, man, what? Yeah, like, what is the main like theme on this movie? <laughs> and it's it's kind of like hard, you know. I was like, is it that? Like, what does the master mean technically? Is this movie more a look on cults, or is it more a look on like the? I mean, I, I don't know, the return of an unstable soldier? Or is it more like, and I've kind of settled on this third one because the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense. But like more of a search for community or, um, you know, search for family, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've, like, I've kind of put all those three things together to kind of combine on that. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, I would largely agree with that. I, I I think a lot of people kind of latch on to the cult thing and, you know, are like, well, this is obviously a movie about Scientology. Um, I mean, and, it's there for sure. Oh, it is. And I think I, I think uh, PTA has even said, like, you know, Blank Astrodot is partially based on L. Ron Hubbard. Um, but apparently he showed this to uh, to Tom Cruise and, you know, word got out to the the church of scientology and you know they weren't they weren't too stoked on it but you know obviously they wanted him apparently they wanted him to change some stuff because he showed it to Cruz before he released the movie because you know him and Cruz, uh i i guess are friends because Cruz was in magnolia and whatever 20 years ago anyway so word got to the church and they wanted him to change some stuff because they felt like it was kind of too uh too much in line with l ron hubbard's life 
and he didn't change anything. But he said him and him and uh, him and Tom are still on good terms. So there's that story. Anyway, <laughs> so I think a lot of people have latched onto that of uh, the Scientology thing. But I think he said like, yeah, that was kind of a basis for Dodd, but that's not really what this movie is about. You know, that's there, but it's not totally about just like what cults do. Um, I think, I think I agree with you. It's more of this search for this search for meaning and the search for community. Like the movie is itself about like we're searching this movie for meaning when the movie itself was about searching for meaning and like, you know, finding a path in life. And that's his, I mean, that's Freddie's problem is he can't find a path. And that's why he's kind of drawn to tells him what his path should be or something like that. Um, and at the same time, you know, Freddie is a very disconnected person, very disconnected character in, in terms of uh, just how to act rationally with people. Mm, yeah. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix is a killer in this movie, man. Dude, he's his act. I mean, he's such a good actor, but like in this movie too, you're like, he just, I, he almost like reminds you so much of like, you, you could see that person in every day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like he seems so similar to people that I could see being like that. You know? Yeah, and it's like sometimes actors. Sometimes you forget like what actors are really doing, and this is one of those movies that kind of like you're so bought into this. You like you think that's him. You know what I mean? You're totally bought in that this yeah. guy is like. Joaquin Phoenix is this crazy guy that, you know, is just like totally consumed with like PTSD and uh, fits of rage and all this stuff. And you're like, this guy is acting. This is like, it's crazy. Like, so good. And I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's the same way. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman could, he really like, I always thought that was corny when people were like, oh, this actor really brings this character to life. Philip Seymour Hoffman really does though. Like bring Lancaster Dodd to life. Like I, I don't know. It's, 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 I feel like when you're watching a movie and you can, you can take the characters and see them in real life as like people who interact like that. You know what I mean? Like that's when it's been teed off and just like hit a home run. I know that's two different sports analogies. Just, <laughs> um, but, uh, Anyways, I, I think that I think that, you know, just in general, the acting all around from uh the whole fam I'm trying to think of uh Yeah, I think what's his name? He was uh, I was gonna say there was th- I think three of them, uh Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Amy Adams were all nominated for Oscars. Um and I think you're talking about Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And Jesse Plemons, I think, is the one you're thinking of. Uh, maybe, or are you thinking of the other guy? Uh, uh, I'm thinking Rami Malek. Who's the dude who was in, uh, is that, is that the guy who was in freaking, it was a Dodd's son. He was the, uh, lead in, um, no, that's Jesse Plemons. Or not the lead. Jesse Plemons. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I don't know. I really liked his character too. And he wasn't even in there. No, he was a very understated character, but I think he was very important. I, I really, I like Jesse Plemons in pretty much everything. I, I also watched, uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah last week, and he was in that. I just, yeah, Jesse Plemons, he's uh, he's really. That's good. a newer movie, right? Yeah, that just, it came just out? Uh, yeah, it just came out. Pretty good. I, I yeah. think I, I actually, that was like on my watch list. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I think it's 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 worth a watch. Um, I thought there could have been, I thought it could have been more interesting for being the story it was based off of, but it was still pretty good. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, he's, I do, I really like that character. He's, he is, uh, I wanted to talk about him because he's an interesting, he's very interesting because he does not believe in any of this stuff, but he still hangs around, you know, he's still involved. And even when they go over to England, he's still, you know, working over there with them. And why, why, why is he doing that? And I think that's kind of important, right? Because like, is he, he's part of the cause community but he's not necessarily bought into the cause you know right he thinks it's a load of crap 
Yeah, he thinks it's all bunk. He thinks that Lancaster Dodge is making it up on the spot. And is he? Yeah. <laughs> he he obviously is. Uh um I I love that scene and you can really tell so like whenever he released that second book and there's just like that massive follower, I forget whatever her name is, and she comes up to talk Laura to Laura Dern. Know? Is who yeah. plays her, yeah. Um again, see me with actors' names, I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh <laughs> But she comes up, sits beside him, and she starts, like, asking him questions. She's like, I saw on page 13, like, you, you changed this or whatever. And he just, like, gets so agitated. And he, he it's almost like he's being called out for not being able to keep his own story, like, line or idea, ideology. Own, yeah, his own charade. Keep his own charade going. Yeah. And he's like, what do you want? <laughs> and Philip Seymour Hoffman yelling is, like, my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh. His, uh, it's very interesting because he talks about, like, he's this very reserved kind of, he, and when, uh, when Freddie is listening to, like, the little headphones and it's just Lancaster Dodd giving a speech or whatever Mm -hmm. when they're on the boat and he's saying, uh, man is not an animal. You are not ruled by your emotions. Do away with all negative emotional impulses. And he keeps going on and on and on. But mainly that kind of gist. Like you should be, you should stay calm all the time and don't let your animal nature come out. Cause that's only bad, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we see that he's the same way. He's, he actually hasn't, you know, fixed any of this. He just kind of puts this charade that he has, you know, solved these problems and put on this totally calm nature. Cause we see, we see him lash out at that guy at the party. We see him lash out at, uh, Laura Dern. We see Amy Adams get mad at him because he's been drinking the hooch and wants to like hook up with other women or whatever. Uh, and drinking the hooch. What is, what is the hooch by the way? I nobody knows, dude. It's a mix of like jet fuel and uh, <laughs> Listerine, and uh, who knows, dude. Aftershave. Um, yeah, he's got some pretty nasty stuff. So in he's that. got some photography, uh, <laughs> some photography chemicals mixed in there. Probably, dude. It, dude, uh, in that scene when he was like getting ready. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> in that scene when he was like getting ready to um, develop some photos, and he was in the dark room, and he was mixing up his hooch. I thought he was mixing up like some chemicals, you know, to to develop the photos and stuff. And yeah. I'm like watching, I'm like, Oh cool. You know? And then he drinks it. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's probably, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> hey, and you shouldn't turns out because people die. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the hooch is strong. If strong you don't drink stuff. it smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess we see like he's, he too, even though he puts on this charade, he Dodd is also kind of controlled by his animal his animalistic nature, just like Quill is as if Quill is just out on the surface and kind of owns it, whereas Dodd hides it. Right. And that's that's something too, like is that why they're so tied together? Because internally they're built of of the almost the same you know what I mean? Like relatively the same. Yeah, I think that's emotions. why I think that's why they both see something in the other. Like Quill sees, you know, this figure that can kind of like I don't know if it's supposed to be a father figure or what. I kind of think it's probably like some kind of pseudo father figure. Um, and then Dodd sees this, uh, the animal side of him that he kind of wants to tame. Freddie as the animalistic side of Dodd that he wants to tame, but also mm-hmm. kind of doesn't maybe, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. And I, I also think, I don't know if they actually say this. I don't remember them saying anything, but is is that what the split saber is supposed to represent? Because that's the name of the second book. Like, is the split saber supposed to represent the split nature of man? Uh, you know, I I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't read the book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think <laughs> anybody, I think anybody that did regrets it. But, um, yeah. and also, I, what's I mean, up? With- I think that's like, the split power, yeah, like the the split of the most powerful, you know, yeah, uh, not emotion, but thing in our body or whatever. Yeah, like our animal side versus our reason side, I guess. Right. Um, 
I, I yeah, I don't know. But I also thought it was weird that he wrote his second book like way before, and he just like dug it and put it in a hole until like he deemed it was ready to come out. Uh that, that was, was probably like that was probably like my second favorite sequence in the movie. When they dig that up, when they went out there, when I when they went out there to dig up his unpublished work. Yeah, I was, I don't know, like that that whole thing. I was just like, this is cool. I just like watching it. It was, just, and that just goes back to like PTA's like ability to really like tell a story because those scenes, you knew exactly what was going on, and not a word was spoken about what was going on. Yeah, yeah. You just and then it wrapped up, and they like he was like, "Oh, I need a second And like, you know, I don't know. I I think I I, I just think like the way that the the way that the story unfolds in the silence that and how much you get from the silence is so like powerful in telling this like crazy messed up story. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The silence is super important in this movie because I mean it's all over, and then. Which is, uh, which comes into contrast. Another, I think another theme in this movie is the theme of laughter, in com- like in contrast to that silence and seriousness. Um, because I mean, we see Quill pretty much laughs the entire movie at everything. Uh, pretty much no matter what the context is, he's laughing at stuff. Uh, yeah. Or you know, punching people, I guess. Um, but like he can't <laughs> he's just keep... like some some. <laughs> scrawny psychotic like maniac who's just like yeah can i talk to you out back and you're like what and then he just like throws you in a headlock <laughs> so what you're saying is this is the prequel to joker it seems like it. <laughs> seems that's like, probably you know? i mean no lie that's probably what uh shoot i can't remember the guy who directed joker now um but that's probably what he saw and was he probably was watching this he's like you know this uh, this Phoenix guy, he can make a pretty good uh, crazy Joker dude. Let's uh, let's cast him. I Todd guarantee Phillips this was like, you know, have you uh, have you seen him. that? Have you seen that Paul Thomas Anderson movie? Huh. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Just going down through the IMDb uh, trivia stuff is that Freddie was originally supposed to be played by Jeremy Renner. Meh. Who is what? I said meh. Yeah, I, I, I was yeah. just gonna say he was like you might know him from the Avengers. Like he he doesn't fit the role once you've seen the movie, um, which is just kind of it, it's like I, I think know, thinking about thinking about him as Freddy. I don't think it would. I don't think it would have that same effect. You know, no. I think uh, Phoenix is really kind of unique in that way, and it's one of those actors that once he's in a role like that, it's pretty hard to picture anybody else. Um, I think Renner's he embodies actor. that role so much. Yeah, and I think Renner's a fine actor, but I don't think he has quite the uh, this kind of range as Phoenix does. But um, so I guess let's. Uh, well, I got. I guess I, I'll ask you this question: What do you think the motif of the the waves in the water? We see it. I don't know, like three or four times in the movie. What uh, what's that represent? Or is it just like this looks pretty cool? <laughs> the what? The uh, the waves and the water behind the boat. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, we yeah. See, it opens with that, and then we see it. I don't know, two or three more times. Uh, two more, yeah, two two more times throughout the movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, is it kind of like representing transition? You know what I mean? Because when we see it, we have like these transitional moments. Mm-hmm. And. It's almost kind of like the idea, like the sea is always the sea, but the sea is not the sea. You know, it's a it's a fluid thing. It's always like, it's always uh, in the same. The same fl- yeah, it always seems the same, but it's actually never the exact same. It's never the exact same, but it always seems the same. Yeah. Where is this? I mean, is that like you know, kind of? Is that life? Trying to explore the life of Freddie. You know, it seems like it's different. I mean, it, but it'd be opposite, right? It'd be like, it seems like it's different, but it's actually all the same. Yeah, I guess there's kind of like vice versa. It, I mean, it really doesn't, it's kind of the same concept, I guess. I think it works. Yeah. Um, and, and I think too, it just works as like some good transitional periods too, because it's, it's showing like the fluidity of like life, right? Because you, you, when you see it, 
there's usually gaps um, that follow. Whether what do you that's mean gaps, like I didn't you mean like see, you I, mean I like have to go time gaps, gaps in years. Yeah, like time yeah, time okay. gaps. Like like we see it uh, before Freddie is back in his hometown trying to get Doris uh, back. Um, I think. I think I'm trying to like think back on to <laughs> I know now it's hard I should have wrote where, it exactly down but yeah because anyways I think it just kind of acts as like the showing the fluidity of life and and going on that idea like the sea is always the same even though it's never the same so I guess what uh what do you make of like Philip Seymour Hoffman's last words or his last little spiel to uh Freddie is like, if you figure out a way to live without serving a master, any master, uh, let us know because you'd be the first one to fi- ever to figure it out. Um, right. And it, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, before kind of reaching that final destination of a search for family slash community, I kind of thought that the movie was generally based on the idea that everybody is a slave to their to a master, whatever that master is, is that master vices, ideologies, um, you know, whatever it could be. Because with Freddie, it seems like he is, I mean, he, he calls, uh, Lancaster Dodd master on, on some occasions and stuff, but it seems like his master really is like his vices or really are his vices. Yeah. That's the master he can't get away from. Right. And that's the one that he'll always serve. He can, yeah, like like you said, he can never just leave. Yeah, that's what that's what controls him, and that's why he feels a need to be kind of under the thumb of somebody else if he can't be doing that stuff. Um, he feels a need to kind of be told what to do, I guess, uh, even though he kind of rebels against it. But do you? Yeah, I, I guess is like who? What is? Uh, what's Philip Seymour Hoffman's master then? I think so. Wouldn't his master be like uh, the the fame of it all, like the clout? <laughs> uh yeah, I can see that. Like, like he is always chasing after this higher power, acting as though he is this higher power, right? So throughout the movie, he kind of is like a servant to the master and the master is trying to get this following. And that's kind of where like the cult aspect comes in. Like he to be um, a master, you have to be a servant of some sorts, right? Like what, what are you the master of? And his is like the ideology of the cause. And so it's almost just like he is always going to new lengths to try to get a, a little bit of the step up and grow his, this like community under him, his cult. <laughs> yeah, I was, cause I was thinking the same, like, is he kind of a slave to his own, uh, I guess his own thoughts. Like he doesn't necessarily, it's interesting. Cause like the one, there's that one scene where he's in the, the, the room with Amy Adams and she's kind of, it seems like she's telling him what to write. Uh, she's like, we yeah. need to fight back. We need to, uh, you know, I guess fight back against these accusations or stuff like that. And it almost seems like she's kind of telling him what to do. Uh, and in a way she'd be his master. And, you know, in that sense of kind of, she's running the show, but it, it also, it does seem like he's kind of the slave to this ideology himself. Um, just like he's kind of putting everybody else under the same spell, but he's just slave in a different way because he knows it's a load of crap. I, I think, he, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure he does. Um, he he does. doesn't actually believe any of it. And he's kind of a slave to thinking like, hey, I got to keep this. I got to keep this charade up. But yeah, it's just a master in a different way, I guess. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, that is a good question, but he definitely, I mean, there's definitely, like, this weird mix of hierarchy throughout, especially throughout, like, the Dodds, like, um, is his wife the one calling the shots, is it him, you know, his his daughters and son-in-law seem to be oddly involved in it, too, and, and it's just, like, is he, I think he is 
a slave to the power of it all. Yeah, no, I think that's that's the biggest one. I I definitely agree. Um, yeah, he's a slave to the power it brings him, or the wanting more power, or whatever, which I think would be kind of typical of any cult leader. I would think. Yeah, that's why they make cults. Um. <laughs> um. So, but I think it's also I I just love that line because it kind of brings into question all of you know what anybody does and why anybody does anything is like you know why religion exists why uh philosophy exists why why humans do anything what humans what gives life meaning and is it our masters quote unquote that give life meaning um is it possible to truly be like radically free and serve no master in life or are we always going to be kind of consumed by some you know kind of be not consumed kind of be controlled by something some aspect uh yeah and i i don't know if that's actually possible to be radically free i agree <laughs> and, and it kind of goes back to i think there's a line from his dodd's daughter and she's just like you know this isn't fashion this is something you do forever or for like a billion years or not at all or whatever and so is that kind of hitting on the fact that like no that's amy adams we, says that at the end I think that's when Quill they're in England and she's in there with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, all right. Yeah. I thought it was a daughter for some reason. Yeah. She's just like, this isn't fashion. This is something you do for a billion years or not at all. And is that like saying that we as humans have always been slaves, you know, to it's, it's to something. Um, and then Freddie's just kind of cool about it. He's like, maybe in the next life. (laughs) Yeah. Which, yeah, I think, yeah, that's interesting because I didn't think of it that way. I just kind of took that as a literal reading of like, you know, you're either like for the cause or you're against the cause. You can't come back. Right. You know what I mean? Once you leave. I just I don't really think of it beyond the literal reading that she was telling him. But no, that's interesting. <sighs> hmm. I don't know. Because at the same time, it's not like you can. She's, she gives him the option like that you can either do this or not at all. But if you're comparing it to kind of living without a master, you don't have that. Or I think it can be argued you don't have that choice. You know what I mean? You're kind of, you're going to have a master one way or another. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's an interesting reading, though. I didn't think about that. And, you know, I think, like, uh, what does the, what does, like, Freddie being a photographer, where does that, like, play into it, too? I don't is know. that what him do trying think? to like? I don't know. You As know? a photographer, uh, what's your professional <laughs> well, opinion? <laughs> um, like I, I don't know what that's trying to say about his character, though. Is that like, I mean, because you could he could have been anything, you know? It's not like photography plays an overwhelmingly like massive role in his life throughout this movie, but it comes up often enough that it has to have some meaning, right? Is so is it like his search to preserve the past? So. What I read it, it might be that. I don't know. I, I don't really have any, you know, trust that this reading that I'm about to say is correct either. I'm just kind of tossing something out there. Welcome to my life, but, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, maybe it's something like, because we see at the, the first few shots are just like the pictures of like it's a young couple and there's he does like three kids. Uh, and then that older guy, he's like, is this for your wife? And that's the guy who he kind of freaks out on. Um, but <laughs> that was funny. It, <laughs> it, uh, it, it made me think like, is this his, it's, it's a way of showing his search for this, uh, idyllic life. You know what I mean? Like you mm. see, like mm-hmm. these, these photographs are very, you think about photographs and like pictures of from this time period everything's like it looks super idyllic and like everybody looks perfect and they're you know the shot composition you know it's hard to explain but you know exactly what i'm talking about in terms of like photographs from the 50s or portraits from the 50s yeah right but it's like him kind of searching uh if that's the only way he can kind of find this perfect life and what he actually wants maybe i don't know uh, and then that, then eventually he finds a quote family in, you know, the Dodds and the cause. Uh, 
But of course, it's not the perfect family that he was searching for, and he ends up leaving. But I think it's him, like the whole the whole movie is him searching for meaning and purpose, and I think that's that the the photographs are supposed to represent like this kind of he's trying to capture that meaning and family and purpose in life, but he just can't capture it for himself. He can only capture it through other people. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. I am just. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I can see that too. Like in, in, I'm, you know, I'm confused too of like the whole, like he fell in love with this store model too, to begin. Yeah, that's, you know? that's a weird. Yeah. That's weird. It's a weird, it like doesn't really make sense. Like, that's why I was like, Oh, what's this? I'll have to do with everything. You know? And then she, and then they go out to dinner, and he's just like passed yeah. out on the. <laughs> I know. It's pretty funny. Drinking that hooch. That's what the hooch <laughs> will do to you. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think that's an interesting way to look at it, though. You know, because if you look at the bigger theme of the movie as being like the search for community, it makes sense because even when he is taking photographs, like he's only doing that in search of something else. Even when he's taking the photographs of Lancaster Dodd, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely interesting that the pho- the photography thing comes back when he's taking photog- you know, photographs of Dodd, and then he's like his quote unquote photographer. Um, yeah. Interesting that they brought it back, and I think that could that could tie in, like you said, as his still searching for that community. So, <laughs> man, it's just like I swear, I swear to God, I'm not do I'm not I wasn't doing this on purpose, but. This is two weeks in a row now, and I just, I don't know if I'm like, I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying to find it, but there's, I found another freaking, what I read as a reference to the searchers again. So last week it was on Nomadland where she's wandering out and felt, uh, it seemed like she was rejecting society. And this, there's the scene where he's, uh, after he quote unquote poisons that guy and he's dying. He leaves the, the cabbage farm and he like runs through the doorway and then you follow him just like the camera follows him through the doorway. And mm-hmm. man, I just like, it's hard not to read that as him being once again, rejected by society uh, because he doesn't, I mean, he know, was ran out. Yeah. He doesn't fit into society. So he's rejected. And that's, I mean, I just, it's just very reminiscent of the searcher shot. I don't know. I don't have much else to say on it, but Keep coming back to that shot, man. But there it is. <laughs> oh, the boat. So the boat is called Alethia. Um, the which was Greek for truth, and she was actually a goddess of pretty much the goddess of truth. Um, so I didn't really find much on that. I saw Heidegger did some work with it, and actually thought that truth wasn't a good word for it. It was more disclosure, but. It, it why uh i thought it was interesting that his the boat was named truth when i mean i'm sure that was the point was that he's saying he's giving the truth that's that's what he's saying is what he'll deliver to you but it's actually just like you know a load of a load of bogus bs it's bullocks as bullocks, the, bullocks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah i i felt i always I, I always like to look up stuff where you can you you just have you know it's a a Greek word, and it means yeah. something, and it's relevant. That's, I mean that is interesting <laughs> too. Uh, I yeah, I mean like there there's a lot in this movie where I'm just like, what, what does that ha- does that mean anything? Does that need to you know what I mean? And I don't know. I kind of I kind of wrap up at like maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but doesn't matter in the grand scheme of it all. You know what I mean? It's almost like the story is is so broad that other things under it like that, like do they add to it? Sure. A little bit, but it's almost just like seasoning on top, you know, doesn't change the flavor of the movie, but adds a little bit on top. I'm terrible with analogies on this podcast. Um, <laughs> cause, I, Cause I think, I think truth, it definitely comes up in multiple ways. Cause there's that. And then right. not too soon, not too far after uh, uh, Dot asks him what's in his drink. And he says, secret, uh, Phoenix says secrets. Um, this, this concept of truth and whether that's truth with a capital T, you know, in terms of truth, meaning, whatever. Uh, I think that's all throughout this movie, but which is, 
I think that's why this movie is so interesting. It's about this search for truth, but it really doesn't really, it doesn't come out one way or another. It doesn't give you anything to kind of hang your hat on. Right. And like you said, what is truth? Right. What is truth to certain people? Like, obviously, Freddy's truth is totally different than Dodd's truth. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, what was up with the, I guess this is my last question. I don't really have much else. What, what's up with that, uh, the new dancing scene where all the women are nude? I have were... no idea. <laughs> I like, honestly, I looked away. I looked away for a second. I was like watching it and I like looked away and I looked back and wait, what? Everybody was naked and I was like, what? Like what's going on? There's so there's, and I think that plays into the other part of, of Freddie, you know, like, of his master and his vices. He is um, totally consumed by sexual thoughts constantly. See, is that... And that along with, like, the hooch, obviously. See, is that supposed to be through Freddy's mind? Is that what he's seeing? I thought so. I don't know. See, I thought that, that scene really, like, honestly, I was watching it, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to get this movie. If I, like, I was like, did I miss something? I don't understand what's going on. Because I can read it that way, but then also that's the next scene is when like Amy Adams is like uh telling him like he can be with anybody as long as it's not somebody I know or whatever. Uh to Philip Seymour right. Hoffman. So is it maybe that is through uh Phoenix's eyes, but he sees that Dodd is really interested in these women in the same way Phoenix is, maybe? And and Dodd's just better at suppressing that? Yeah, or better hiding it, I guess. Uh, right. Not necessarily suppressing it, but at least well, yeah, uh, hiding it from everybody else. But I thought it was interesting that it wasn't Phoenix who talks about, or Freddie that talks about this. It was Amy Adams that ad- ad- addresses it in the next scene. I don't know. It's very. Yeah, uh, I was I was thrown off. I was thrown off by that entire scene, to be honest. Um, yeah, that was that was like very confusing. That made me say like, what like what is actually going on? Like, what is. You know, that that kind of took me out of it for a second, too. Um, I didn't really quite get it. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, you could read it like, I mean, pretty much like we just said. I think, you know, both uh, Hoffman's character and Phoenix's character are both uh, kind of sexual uh, beings or, you know what I mean, concerned with this aspect. But one is more outward and one is more, you know inward or suppresses it right. or hides it better um but they're true they're actually very similar in that way maybe that's what it was trying to say i don't know it was very very weird and you're you yeah it was weird the, like, like there were a lot of like scenes that were just very odd throughout this um that like you're just watching it by yourself and you're like i kind of feel uncomfortable watching uh freddie do this right now yeah you know yeah for sure <laughs> Um, it's an also, also recurring theme, just feeling awkward watching Joaquin Phoenix do things. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a, that's a thing. <laughs> um, you got anything else? I don't really have anything else. I mean, do you think that, like, you know, obviously in his dream is when he was watching the movie by himself. Uh, that was like his dream, you know, and Dodd calls him. That was his dream, right? I don't that think so. That was a dream? I don't think so. Because I thought the same thing. I thought, is this a dream? But then I thought, I don't know. Because he goes to England. Like, how else would he know that they were in England? Because they're connected, dude. (sighs) Maybe. I don't know. And I think. I thought, because at first it's. Just to go back to everything you just said, too. Like, this is real. Yeah, I, I don't know. To be honest, I was confused because he was like, I had a dream that you were here. And he's like, they they really weren't expecting him. You know what I mean? It was weird, but he brought him the cigarettes. That's true. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Because, no, I definitely, that thought went through my mind. I thought, is this a dream? Because then it kind of shows him still sitting in the same spot after the guy, after the guy leaves. And you're wondering, well, did that, did that happen? But then, yeah, he shows up. I don't know. I could see it that way. I could see it not that way. In the (laughs) end, don't know. (laughs) I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I also do not know. But, um, you know, going back to the connectedness of the two and kind of how they both serve the same masters in the vices of like uh, just sex and and violence in a way. I mean, Lancaster Dodd does have some violence, violent tendencies, uh, too, especially when he gets confronted. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anger. 
and uh, the hooch and, and the drinking and stuff like that. Lancaster says throughout how they're connected. It's like, I just can't figure out where we've met before, you know? And mm-hmm. he says, like, there's, they're super connected, too. So I kind of wonder if it's just, like, the, them being connected was another way to show that they were all slaves to certain vices, but they're masters of their own kind of thing, too. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was just jumping back because I thought of that right then. I kind of thought it was his dream, too, because, like, Freddie's not high class enough to be the only one in a movie theater and have attendance bringing him the phone. Well, I think it was just, I don't think it was like he bought out the theater and they knew, you know, it was just like they called, you know, Lancaster called and asked if Freddie was there or asked if a guy looked like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, think he got, I think he drank a little bit too much hooch. I think he passed out and I think he had this dream and he went and bought five packs of cigarettes and, and flew to England. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I I don't know, honestly. Uh, and then was that when the receptionist was like, "You look like you've traveled here." And he was like, like, "How else do you get? How else do you get someplace?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of this movie is just weird, man. Just weird. In a good way, though. Uh, in a good way. And some in a bad way, and some in a super weird, like uncomfortable way. So be prepared for that if you're if you're about to watch it. Um, but I guess uh, I guess that's all I got. If you don't have anything else. Nah, that's that's about it, man. What are we uh, What are we diving into next week? Well, next week we are doing the uh, 1985 film, The Breakfast Club, doing our first uh, John Hughes film. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. That should be should be fun. Haven't watched that, and it's been a while since I watched that. Yeah, and this is another one that's been like since we started the podcast. It's kind of been on the to do list. Yeah, knocking them out now. Talking about it way back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what else? Where can, uh, until, until we cover that, where can people find us, Ty? Yeah, you can stay connected with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Roll It Podcast on there. Um, and if you want to, you know, obviously comment, DM us, whatever you want to do, tweet at us, let us know movie suggestions, things we can do better, uh, things we're not doing great at, I guess. If you want to make that a little bit more long form, you can shoot us an email, or I, I should say more long form or private. You can shoot us an email at rollitpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you have any movie suggestions, uh, roll it podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or through the email, shoot us, shoot them our way. Yeah. Uh, I think that just about does it. And we'll, uh, we'll see y'all next week with the breakfast club. And remember the key to everything is laughter or the secret, or whatever it is. I don't know. I messed that line up, but just laugh about it. So (laughs) we'll catch you next week.